It has been a while. It has been a while since I've sat down in front of microphone to even record a podcast, but here I am back at it again. And if you don't know who I am, I'm Alexandria and I'm the host of this podcast, Pessimism at its Finest. And it has been a doozy March, beginning of April. A lot has happened and I just have like not had time, number one. To podcast and number two just have not had energy so i don't know if any of you own a fitbit but if you wear your fitbit to bed it will tell you how many hours per night you sleep and according to my fitbit i sleep like three to three and a half hours a night and i've been doing that for the last two weeks why you ask well i've been working like 10 hour days at work just because the workplace is reopened and I'm involved in that project. And on top of that, I'm just trying to finish my master's degree. Like I'm gonna be done an entire master's degree on April 24th, won't have to go to school anymore. And I'm kind of having an identity crisis with, you know, not being in university anymore or not being in academia anymore. And what I was thinking about is, I actually love being in school. I really love studying. I like writing the papers. This last year of school, though, has been the most tedious and the most difficult. And I've had the least free time in my entire life this year, even though it was like COVID. I mean, like 2021 heading into 2022. And I thought about it, like now being 27, am I just getting to a point where I'm too old to balance school, friends, life? work, family, responsibilities, and I'm just not not able to do that anymore to study the way I want? Or do I just need a break from academia for a bit? And what am I going to do next? And I've just been having these discussions with myself. Like, I've been in university for nine years straight, and now we're going to take this extensive break. So for the first time in my life, when I started like kindergarten, I'm not going to be in school as if like June and I think that that's something that I have to prepare myself for and it's going to be such a huge life transition for me and it will give me an opportunity to focus more on you know professional pursuits kind of like gain traction in my career obviously but at the same time I like studying I like knowing like what's next I like having the structure that school offers so I probably will do some certificates like I really enjoy doing certificates so I probably will go back I really want to take a GIS certificate something I've been thinking about is I do want to do a PhD like it's something that's always been on my heart and I don't know if I want to do a PhD in what I did my master's in which is emergency management Or if I want to do a PhD in a passion project I've always wanted to look into, which is human sexuality. And so I have to play around with that and kind of talk to departments and different universities. And hopefully I'll get like a better grasp on where I want to go in the next chapter of my life. But yeah, that's where I've been and why I've been away. 
if you guys hear any knocking in the background, my dog is desperately asking to be let outside. An update on her health. So she's taking this chemotherapy pill. It's not really a chemo pill, but it's a pill. And what it does is it goes after certain types of tumors and it stops the vessels that supply blood to them from doing so, shrinking them kind of like as a result. And so it's called Palladia and she's been using Palladia now for, I want to say almost six weeks. And we've noticed significant improvements in her personality, in her ability to breathe and conduct day-to-day life. So that's been pretty great. I don't know if that means that she'll go to summer. We initially thought that she would actually only live to the end of this month, April. But it's looking like we may have her till June or even to her 14th birthday, which would be so cool if we got to do her last birthday with her. And yeah, so that's the update with my dog, if you guys were wondering. And I know I was doing bachelor updates for every week, but that ended like over a month ago. And just to give you a quick finale recap, basically people think Clayton sucks. I personally love Clayton. And I think that where the controversy came in was that he slept with all three women in the fantasy suites. And then he decided to tell all three. And I don't know, I mean, you don't have to tell anybody that you slept with anybody, you know, unless like you contracted a STI, right? And I'm pretty sure they sexually transmit, like test people. I'm pretty sure they do STI testing on all the contestants and the bachelors. So that's not even a concern. But he was like saying how he loved all of them. And I think you can have love for everyone, but sometimes testing that physical chemistry helps you to know if it's like a hundred percent gonna work out. And so I don't really knock him for that, but he got a lot of hate for saying that he loved all three girls and sleeping all three with I was sorry, and sleeping with all three girls. I also think that the show has more of a conservative audience, and I can see how a more conservative audience would not be for that kind of, you know, storyline. So at the end, for the first time in history, a bachelor's pick for engagement said no to him. And this has never happened before. But at the after the final rose, we find out that they're actually together and they're thriving and they're kind of boring. And honestly, guys, I think, unfortunately, it's time to cancel The Bachelor. And I'll tell you why. We're at a time in society where people have more options and they're not just looking for, you know, a person for a quick marriage or a quick engagement. And obviously, like, you're able to leave that environment and stay engaged for as ever long as you want. But we've proven time and time again, The Bachelor doesn't work. The Bachelorette works. The Bachelorette's far more interesting. I don't know why. Maybe men are just more engaging. But The Bachelor has not been working since approximately Nick Viall's season. And it's just not been successful. And, you know, the men are less sure about what they want. You know, they're not engaging with the women in the way that we want to see. The women are a little bit more catty than before. I mean, which just makes good TV, but it's just not the TV that we used to love. I think Nick Viall was probably the last good season. No, Ari was a pretty good season too. But I think... After Ari, something went completely downhill, and I don't know what it is, but I'm all for canceling The Bachelor for a bit. But 
But then you need the Bachelor in order to get the Bachelor in Paradise people. So we'll see what happens. I'm not, you know, or we need to get more celebrities on there. You know, I'm pro Khloe Kardashian being the Bachelorette. I don't think she'd ever do it, but I'm so pro that. I would love to see it happen. But someone we know. I think they just need to revamp the model a bit and then it should be okay. Okay, so I want to talk about something else and it's something dear to my heart and it's something that I never thought about this day coming, but I have to tell the story. So if you listen to my episode with the Hardmark podcast, um, I forget which number it is now, but I think I'll tag it. I discussed my love for Triple H, and at age six, I wrote a letter to God, and I was like, Dear God, please give me Triple H to marry, or as a husband, or any Italian man will do if I can't get him. And at age four, I looked at the TV, and I was like, this is the most beautiful man ever. And my grandpa's like, you like ugly men. And I swear to God, I've had the same crush on Triple H from age four till today at 27. And it's not that he's good looking. It's that he's just an enigma. He's tall. He's powerful. You know, at first he was powerful in terms of wrestling. Now he's just powerful in terms of his COO status. I like the sound of his voice. I just like the way his eyes can touch your soul. It can just paint a color, tell a story. You know what I mean? Like, Sometimes they can tell anger, sadness, ready to plummel, you know? It just tells a story. And, like, the way he used to flip his long hair, but also his bald head now does it for me. I can't explain it. He can wear, like, little, like, wrestling shorts, but he can also wear a suit. He's just multifaceted. And if you know me, you know that this has been my husband now for how long? For 23 years. And we have been in a distant marriage for 23 years. And he retired. So what happened was that he basically was about to have a syndrome. It's called the Widowmaker. And I think he said his, like, I don't know if it's called an artery or a valve in his heart was approximately 99% blocked. So he could have passed away at any moment. So he went into a surgery and he has some device in his chest or his heart right now. And so he can never wrestle again. So he retired exactly 30 years from the day that he started wrestling in March. And at WrestleMania last weekend, he basically hung up his boots or left his boots in the ring. And we know that he'll never come out of retirement. And we know his last match was against Randy Orton, which is a good way to go out. Not going to lie. But it's just like so devastating to me that my childhood, you know, my favorite wrestler of all time, just put his boots in the ring. And it was so sad. I was just like, no, not Triple H. But, you know, all good things come to an end. And obviously, like, his health and his family are the most precious thing. And we'll have all those matches to rewatch. And he gave us one last entrance as the game. I would not be opposed to another last entrance as a game. But I'm glad that we at least got, like, one last one on WrestleMania Sunday in the suit with the classic water bottle so happy so excited so iconic and you know that motorhead theme that water bottle situation will never grow old to me i feel like crying talking about triple h retiring talking about my childhood talking about how like amazing it was to have him like you know 
as someone to watch to entertain and you know I guess seeing him go out while I see people like Edge come back it's been a little bit like a wild ride definitely but the king of kings is retiring and the game is now over or is it really it'll be backstage so there's that okay I'm gonna talk about Wrestlemania right now guys I've watched 26 Wrestlemanias I'm 27 you ask how this is so um, my family just used to watch it every year together, even when I was a newborn child. So I only missed one and I missed one actually because I was like not in Toronto. I believe I was in New York City. So that's the only reason I missed one. Anyways, I'm not like a weekly, like a Monday Night Raw watcher of wrestling, um, but I do watch pay-per-views. So I don't really miss pay-per-views. I don't miss Royal Rumble. It's very rare I miss Royal Rumble. Um, and I do not miss WrestleMania ever. I, t you know, I kind of do like a bi-annually situation of SummerSlam. I used to watch Hell in a Cell. I don't know if that's still pay-per-view, so I don't watch it. That's how you can tell. Elimination Chamber. I did watch Evolution, the all-women's pay-per-view. So it just depends on the vibe. But definitely, I do watch Royal Rumble every year. And I do watch WrestleMania every year. Anyways, I just want all of you guys to know that I now have the WWE channel. I made my mom get it. So I will definitely be watching a lot more pay-per-views this year. And it's going to be great. I want to talk about, like, you know, I know people say that wrestling's fake. And it is fake. It's totally scripted. But it is a performance art. It's like an athletic performance art. And you need to be very in shape to do it it's not easy to do and you need to be very skilled to not hurt the other person and know your moves know your lines right and you have to follow this entire like storyline and role for yourself so i love the performing arts like i love theater and i think that's why i get so engaged with wrestling it's like it is performance theater but with that like athletic aspect to it and that's what i like about it so moving on, I don't know if you guys know Wrestler Edge. He's been there since forever. He's actually from Ontario. And from, I was like a kid way back in the day, he had this song called Metalingus by Alter Bridge. And Alter Bridge singer Metalingus, I believe he worked with Slash. I don't know if he was in Velvet Revolver as well, but he did a lot of stuff with Slash. Um, I know his name is Miles something. That's the lead singer of Alter Bridge. Anyway really good band i also listen to a lot of metal fun fact if you didn't know so i'm there at wrestlemania and i hear this other song see this undertaker like entrance and i think it's just the precursor to like edge's typical metalingus entrance right and he changed his entrance after all these years to be this other altar bridge song that just doesn't hit like some people are like oh it hits i agree it works with his new character really effectively but i just i'm just not into it because i'm so used to metalingus and him being that rated r superstar like i'm not into this dark edge i mean he i mean his face works for it now with the way he's aged but it's not my flex i don't know like with edge i want consistency i don't want diversity of like styles or like character like am I being like wrong by saying something that's like inconsiderate I'm not too sure but that's just how I feel when he's concerned otherwise good match 
Best match of the night was Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. I have to be completely honest about that. They were epic. Logan Paul, first of all, I can't stand Logan Paul. There's just something about his face that bothers me. Like, do you guys ever, like, look at somebody and you're like, their face pisses me the fuck off. That is Logan Paul. And I just can't, I can't look at him at all. But... Yeah, like, his match was okay. I Like, actually, he was far more agile than I thought he was going to be, but I think I should have expected that with the whole MMA fighting situation, like the UFC situation. I don't know why I didn't think he was going to be agile at all. And then, um, obviously, we had the Undertaker retirement at the, what do you call that thing? The Hall of Fame. And his speech was so long, the ovation was so long, and then he came out both Saturday night, obviously, for his like retirement thing. And he came out Sunday night, obviously, for his retirement thing. In the same suit that he wore Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. Just want to let you guys know that. But he's the undertaker and he needs no introduction. You just need to hear that little chime. And then he can stand there and you know that it's time for the dead man to arrive. Did I just make a poem? Oh my god. Okay. So there's that. It was sad to see The Undertaker retire, but it was such a beautiful moment knowing that this man who has been like one of the best and most prolific characters of all time just came and, you know, had that moment. I loved it, guys. I loved seeing The Undertaker retire. It's beautiful. Anyways, and I wanted to talk about or touch base on, before the best part of the night, I want to touch base on Brock Lesnar. Now, I know he's super conservative, and I know he's a member of the NRA, but I love Brock Lesnar. I, lo- I love his character. First of all, when you hear that music and he walks out, you're like, yeah, we're going to get a beat down and we're going to get ready to fight. Brock Lesnar can just pick you up and toss you around. He's like the Nia Jax of men. I love it. I think like if I were to compare him to any woman... Well, okay, Nia Jax is not really technical, so I would definitely say he's more of a China of men. But, like, Brock Lesnar has this thing where he can just come, stand there, pick you up, throw you around two times, and we love the match. Like, we felt like we watched something of quality. And I just can't figure out to this day, is he good or is he not good? What is the going on? Um, The Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar match, you know, as the main event, was a little bit weak. I knew 100% that Roman was going to win because WWE is trying to build him to be this like big star because they really don't have any big stars right now. So they need him. And Brock Lesnar is like a part-time guy. He likes to go home. Brock Lesnar is like me when I work my recreation job. Like I get in, I get out one day a week. You know, that is Rocky Brock. But overall, loved him. And we now need to talk about Austin 316 how epic it was to Kevin Owens. He's like, you want to come run your mouth about the great state of Texas while you're in the great state of Texas? And I'm like, yes, he does. He does Stone Cold. And what does Stone Cold say so? He's going to like beat him down too. Honestly, Stone Cold Steve Austin for being out of the ring since 2003 did a fantastic job getting back in and wrestling Kevin Owens. And I was so shocked that it was actually as good as it was. Like, completely on the floor blown away by how amazing it was and stone cold came back out on the sunday obviously delivered a stone cold stunner to vince mcmahon to pat mcafee who wrestled vince mcmahon which was so cool too and yeah like it was just so amazing so nostalgic so exhilarating 
to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. I wear his stuff everywhere. Like, side note, an Austin 316 shirt, you can put with everything. You can put it with a pantsuit. You can put it with a dress skirt. Wear it to the bar. You can wear it to the grocery store. You can wear it to work. Like, it's like just a universal shirt that goes with everything and allows you to express your love for wrestling in the most simplistic way. Like, I love it. It's so clean. I love that, like, slogan. I'm about it. You know what I mean? I think, you know what? I want to say this. And I don't want to, <clears throat> and I don't want to get, like, backlash for it because obviously, like, I've committed to loving Triple H. But Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably, like, number two best wrestler of all time to me. Like, it to me, it's, like, as a whole package character, like, in terms of technical, mic skills, like, fight style, I'm going to say Stone Cold's probably my favorite wrestler, and then Triple H is number two. But in terms of, like, what the heart wants, Triple H is number one, and Stone Cold is definitely number two. I've been thinking about my number three favorite wrestler for a very long time, and I don't know if I've solidified or locked down who it is. Like, I want to say it's Edge, but, like, I'm not loving Edge's, like, run right now. So I can't really say it's Edge. But number three will probably come in in a few years. Number three will probably always, like, shift. But number one and two will always be Stone Cold to me and definitely always be Triple H. I think in terms of women wrestlers, though, um, it's Trish Stratus. Like, I feel like you can't have Lita and Trish Stratus as, like, number one, number two. No, number one for me is definitely Lita. And then I would say number two is Trish Stratus. Obviously, I grew up in that era. Number three. Ooh, this is going to be a hard one, number three to pick. I want to say it's China, but I've never got to see enough of her in my lifetime. I did like Kelly Kelly, and I'll tell you why. She was a terrible wrestler. Her mic skills were, you know, at par, but you could tell she worked hard. It was like Lana, it was like Lana and Rusev, you know what I mean? Well, Lana had great mic skills, but... Not good in the ring, not good at technical, but still pretty good at the mic. I want to say number three right now, I'm feeling Becky Lynch. I quite like her a lot. And again, my number three spot is always so variable. But like right now, I would probably say Becky Lynch is holding my number three. Um, And then, but women wrestlers to me, they're all great or they're just shit. Like you have Naomi, who's so great. And you have Eva Marie, who's just shit. And so it's kind of hard for you to like, know who's great because like they built up obviously Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, um Bailey, Alexa Bliss, Charlotte Flair. Like they built up these few women to be great. But they when you compare them to the other women in the roster, they're those other women are pretty great too. So it's like who's the best of them all? Right now the one I see who's the best of them all is probably Becky Lynch. And I think with women, it's just like a different marketing model that they have to utilize. I'm getting into marketing terms right now, and I meant to talk about WrestleMania. Um, but the only thing I noticed about the direction wrestling's going is if you notice, people were more happy to see the Hall of Famers than they were to see the current roster. And I think the problem is WWE is not building superstars the way they used to. And I'm kind of looking for that person who has the it factor, just like, you know, Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels did. And I'm not seeing it. Even John Cena, like, I'm not seeing, like, a new John Cena, like, kind of, like, character. 
And I mean, maybe we're not looking for John Cena 2.0, but I'm looking for like a new enigma, like another rock, like another Dwayne Johnson. Like we're not seeing those things. And you have to figure out like what's going on. Do they need to pull people from other disciplines? But then the people they're pulling from other disciplines are so focused on their other disciplines, they don't have time for wrestling. Like Bad Bunny, for example, or like Logan Paul, for example. They don't have time for that. So, I mean, it's just difficult to know what transitions, like, you can make from different industries and how to build these superstars. But it's just, it is a demanding workload being on the road all the time for wrestling. And it's not for everyone. But they need to kind of figure out a way to make these wrestlers as prolific as they were back in the Attitude Era. You know what I mean? Anyway. Last thing I want to talk about, because I've gone on about... WWE for a while and the amazing time I had watching WrestleMania at my home but I want to talk about the fact that my favorite gamay wine George DeBose, Belouge restocked in Toronto and if you guys don't know it's my favorite wine in the entire world and it only comes to Toronto once a year and when they're sold out these little wine shops completely have charged them to like $60 a bottle when they're actually just $20 a bottle at the LCBO so I'm so excited. I got a case of six and I'm going to get off this podcast right now so I can go enjoy a glass of wine of red gamay. That's all. I have a huge topic I need to talk about next episode. I'm ready. I'm locked. I'm loaded to discuss. And yeah, also I have a TikTok, TikTok obsession now. Like I didn't know TikTok was this like great or this like catchy i don't know i'll never tick to the talk or talk to the tick but like i really do enjoy being on there and browsing stuff so yeah that's that follow me pessimism at its finest i'll follow you back otherwise thank you for listening to me just go on a tangent about wwe and whatever it felt like and welcoming me back to the month of april and podcasting you all have a wonderful day night evening season week month i don't know when you listen to this Have a great time. Bye.